This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, a special bonus episode. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And today, I am pleased and privileged and honored to present to you a special episode interview with a survivor of a home intrusion, a man that is forced to defend himself against that, uh, in, uh, not, not inevitable, but that, that thing that we probably imagine perhaps happen as we prepare ourselves mentally, thinking about how we might have to defend ourselves and our families and our homes. Uh, but unfortunately, on uh, a day in March of 2000, was it 2016, I believe? Yes. Yeah. This this uh, gentleman, uh, Mr. Nicholas Ring, had to defend himself with deadly force. And uh, we'll give him an, a, a more proper introduction here in just a moment. I just wanted to point out that today's episode is brought to you by the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. If you haven't checked out the app yet... I'm going to launch it for you right here on the screen. All right, concealedcarry.com, Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. This will have a not only great content from us here and our contributors at concealedcarry.com, but also a link to our custom reciprocity map builder tool, a summary of state laws. Okay, and Nicholas, whom I'm going to introduce here in just a moment, uh, lives in Tennessee, and I can go right here to Tennessee even though I'm in Colorado. And I was just, I was close to Tennessee a few weeks ago. I was actually in Kentucky. But, uh, and I can see very quickly, I know it doesn't display that great on the screen, but I can see a fast summary of all the laws in Tennessee, gun-related laws. So super easy, quick to reference resource, available for free, no ads, no cost, no upgrade, just a free app. Go check it out. In the iTunes or what is it? The, not the iTunes store. It's a uh, app store, the Apple app store. I always, I don't know why I always want to call it iTunes. Uh, I guess it is an app iTunes for some of you that are using the desktop application, but anyway, so in the Apple app store or also in Google play store, head on over there, check out the concealed carry gun tools app. And so with that, I am going to now introduce to you our special guest on today's episode, Nicholas ring. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm, I cannot complain, sir. I got a reasonably decent uh, night's sleep, uh, and I'm just happy to be here this morning talking with you. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so um, I uh, just wanted to kind of give a little background of how this interview came to be. Uh, I am a member on a number of Facebook groups, and because uh, I like to follow some of the chatter out there. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gun guy. And, uh, so I like gun things and, and I'm also interested and intrigued in what other people are saying, uh, out there, right? You know, there's some stuff that's good and there's a lot of stuff that's just utter crap. <laughs> and those are those, those are the times where I sometimes can't help myself from jumping in and setting people straight sometimes. But the other day I was in Glock nation which is a large Facebook group, uh, obviously Glock focused. Ironically enough, I'm wearing a Sig Sauer shirt today, uh, but I'm a I'm a big Glock fan. And I see your post, and your post is a photo of a gun 
that I believe you said you had just gotten back and yeah. a friend was, was a friend of yours. Yes. Uh, I have a friend that's a gunsmith. Yeah. And he had done, was this a Cerakote job? Yeah. Cerakote and, you know, kind of polishing internals on it for me as a gift. Yeah. So you had just gotten this gun back and, and people are probably really wondering where we're going with this. And you just gotten this gun back, back from where? Uh, the Nashville police department. Yeah. So Nashville police department had your gun for how long? They had it for eight months doing all the testing and, you know, all that good stuff. Eight months. And we'll we'll explain all the reasons why here in just a moment, but I'm going to throw up on the screen here. This is a a picture from a Glock nation Facebook group. And so here's this photo of this Glock 19, a little bit of a, Shout out, I guess, to RoyalRangeUSA.com. That's the gentleman that did the work, correct? That is correct. And so he did this uh, custom Cerakote job with what appears to be blood spatter on your gun. Yes. Yeah. So now we're going to hear the story behind the gun. I don't know that I would personally choose the the blood spatter on the gun. I, I don't know that I would choose that. But you know what? It's your gun, your gun, bro. And like, that's totally cool. And whatever you want to do to it, knock yourself out because like, I, I fully support that. Um, but there's a story behind the gun. And so now let's hear it. So Nicholas, what was it? March 9th, 2016, I believe was the date. That's correct. Cause you started out your post here saying March 9th, 2016 is a day that you will never forget. That is correct. So, I'll never forget that. so let's talk about this day that you will never forget. How did it start? How did this day, this day go for you? Uh, and also give us a little bit of your background as far as uh, just a brief, you know, who, who is Nicholas Ring? Uh, I'm a, now I'm 29 years old and I work at a Cadillac dealership. I also do Cadillac roadside assistance. Cool. So, you know, I, th- that day I pretty much just started out as, you know, going to work all that good stuff. You know, I left to go home to my apartment and the roadside vehicle that we use. And as soon as I get home, I had a roadside call, I had to go unlock a car for a woman and went back home. You know, I always carry my gun on me on every roadside call I do. You never know what you're going to come into. Yeah. You know, but you know, so I go home, you know, I'm just relaxing, watching TV and I get in bed you know, pretty much an ordinary day for me. You know, nothing yeah. to an ordinary at all. And it was about eleven, about eleven thirty or so, that I hear a loud bang. And, and you're awake at this point, right? Yeah, like I was, I was just falling asleep. I haven't really fallen asleep yet. You know, so I'm still awake, and I hear this loud bang, and I was like, oh, "What's that noise?" Mm. But you know, I, I knew my upstairs neighbor can be noisy at times. So I'm like, man, he probably just dropped something on the floor, mm. you know. And then I hear another loud bang. I'm like, nah, something's just something's not right. Yeah. Now, now, how how like, okay, so I had I had an experience a number of years ago, Nicholas, very similar in a way, although it was like two or three in the morning, where a loud bang, banging. It was several bangs woke me up in the middle of the night 
And boy, it sounded like somebody was right there at my bedroom window trying to like bust their way in. Now it yes. was something else entirely, by the way. It was actually someone vandalizing my neighbor's car and and throwing th- th- things through the windows and stuff, which was in the driveway next to kind of where my bedroom is located. So I'm just curious, Nicholas, like, like I know initially you kind of said, well, my neighbor can be loud and stuff like that. How, how loud was this? How close did it sound to, to where you were? Oh, my, uh, my bedroom windows, like in, in my apartment that I was living in is right on the, the porch area. And that's where my back door is. Gotcha. So, I mean, there's just a window between me and the outside, you know, right. right there. He was breaking in. Yeah. So, so it was, it was pretty loud and you're like, holy crap, so what's going on? Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's, I heard that loud, the initial first bang and I was like, okay. Then I heard another one. I'm like, something's not right. Then I heard another one. I'm like, okay. Cause so I rolled over in bed. My, my bed was pretty close to the window. You know, there's like a foot between the bed and the window. So I rolled over and I had blackout uh, drapes in there, you know, block all the sun. And I kind of just peeked through the blinds and the drapes. And I saw this guy kicking in my back door. Mm. Wow. And, you know, I kind of, kind of froze for a second. Like I didn't like really know what to do, like right off the bat. Like I was scared. Like I, I, my adrenaline started pumping. I rolled over and I grabbed the closest cell phone I had, had two phones and I called 911 right away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was, it was getting hot, you know, so I was actually sleeping naked. I, you know, I lived by myself. Yeah. And so I, you know, grab, grab the phone, call 911 and I put my glasses on and then I grabbed my pistol that I keep next to my bed at all times when I'm sleeping. And, you know, I, I told the police and I was whispering very quietly, you know, to, to 911 to the dispatcher. And I had my, my phone in my left hand, mm-hmm. my gun, my gun on my right. And I just stood up, pointed at my bedroom door. My bedroom door is closed. And I just pointed at it, you know, just I'm not going out there. I'm staying in my bedroom. And, you know, so I, I told the police, you know, where I lived, you know, what's going on. They said, all right, you know, well, you know, well, we're on the way. And as soon as they say we're on the way, the intruder turned down the living room light so I could see that he was inside. Okay. And so I, was your, was your door open or closed? No, I, I had my bedroom door closed okay. so I can see the light underneath the door. Yeah. Through the door. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, he's in the house now at this point. Tell, tell me a little bit more about the conversation with uh, the dispatcher on the phone. Like what, what did you say initially? Some like somebody's breaking into my house or, or how did that go down? Yeah. So, so I called, you know, I, I told him, you know, my name and where I live and they Good. said, you know, what, what's the problem? Uh, so I told him that somebody's breaking into my apartment. Mm. And I said, okay, well, we have police on the way, you know, just stay calm, you know, don't go investigate anything. Mm. So, I'm, you know, I'm just staying in my bedroom. I'm, I'm, if he wants to steal stuff and leave, steal stuff and leave, you know, I don't want comf- uh, confrontation if I don't have to, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm prepared. I have my gun in my right hand 
pointed at my door and you know the phone on my left so the okay. whole time that this is going on i'm actually on the phone with 911 yeah and then you see a light turn on correct and then what so the light turned on and you know it took a couple seconds and he came to my bedroom door and opened my bedroom door mm. So as soon as I saw him, I yelled freeze, you know, I'd rather give him a minute. You know, if he froze and got on the ground, I'll just hold him at gunpoint until the cops got there. But, uh, could you see, tell me, was your bedroom dark? Yes. It was pitch black. Yeah. You had, cause you mentioned you had the blackout curtains on the window. Um, and, and so could you see his face or anything like that at all? I, I did not. Like I, I just saw a figure, yeah. you know, I, I just saw a man and especially with like all my adrenaline that was pumping, you know, like I wasn't focused on his face. You know, there's somebody in my apartment that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. You know, he, he should not be there in the first place. Hmm. So uh, as soon as I yelled freeze, he reached for his waistband. Oh, really? So, so you, you could see enough, though, to where you could see the movement of his hand as he started going toward, towards his waist. Correct. Where, where was his hand when he started moving toward it towards the waist? He like he had his hands like kind of like near his, his sides a little bit, but they're up like near his chest, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. His one hand still kind of like on a doorknob. Like he just opened the door, right? Yeah. He, he just opened the door. And what I saw was his. He was looking at me, so his left hand went towards his waist. And, as you know, being a gun guy, I know what you keep at your waist, your gun. Yeah. So as soon as I saw that happen, I fired the first shot. Mm. You know, wow. I, I gave him a warning. I told him to freeze, and he did not, you know. So I, I fired the first shot, and the first shot was a hit. Mm-hmm. and he turned after that because like my bedroom door is in the, like, the very tiny hallway mm-hmm. you know right across from it's the bathroom then you get, turn the corner and there's of course the kitchen living room all that mm-hmm. you know good stuff. so i turned that corner real quick kind of like going after him and i just kept shooting and i ended up shooting nine bullets and I hit him five times mm. and I, you know, I never practiced on a moving target or anything like that. The only targets I ever shot at was at the range. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I had a couple bullets that missed, you know, it damaged my furniture. One went through a window and, mm. and two went through the wall, mm. you know, to the, to the outside. Gotcha. So for, fortunately, no, miss bullets hit anybody else but uh so as like he was trying to get away he tripped over my xbox f1 steering wheel that was on the ground and uh i just kept firing you know i'm not gonna stop firing until the threat is neutralized mm-hmm. and when i finally realized that he was down and not moving anymore. I was pretty much standing right o- not right over him. I was about 
about two feet away from him. And I saw another one on the phone the whole time that this happened. And I just kept pointing my gun at him. And, you know, now one told me, okay, please, you know, just step away from the, the body and wait till the cops get there. And I told him I wouldn't, I don't want to step away from the body. If he moves, I'm going to shoot, mm-hmm. you know? <clears throat> I, so, uh, but right after I said that, I realized that he was dead. Yeah. You know, and I saw the blood coming from his body to the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? So well, that's, that's a, uh, that's intense, man. Yeah. Like <clears throat> I, my drone was pumping all night. Uh, that whole night, I, obviously I did not go to sleep. You know, once the cops got there and they, from this is how fast it happened. From when I placed the call, the 911, mm-hmm. the cops got there in 90 seconds. Wow. That's a pretty quick response. Yes. So I, I owe everything to the National Police Department. They got there so fast. Like, I was very surprised, especially there is a gate at the entrance of my apartment that you have to drive through. Mm. So, and when like, I talk to them, so this is a gate that re- requires a code or something to get through. Yes. Okay. And so when I talked to the cop, you know, later on after everything kind of like settled down a little bit, I asked him like, man, you know, you got there really fast. He goes, I could have got here a little bit faster, but I was having trouble with the gate. So I just rammed it with my car. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Because I don't, I don't know all the, the, the cop terminology for all the codes and all that. But, uh, he said, you know, when dis when dispatch said, you know, it's code or whatever, it's a, it's a live shooting, you know, going on. It's his balls, the walls, mm-hmm. you know, he said he was five miles away and he just gunned it. As soon as he got that call, he just blared sirens and went. Mm. So I, I personally shook his hand and thanked him. You know, it's a, you know, cops are amazing people. You know, they're right there. And, you know, in 90 seconds, I mean, usually, you know, that's not 90 seconds when in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. Dang, dude. But but yeah, the whole night, my adrenaline was just pumping. Uh, Yeah, I never had a panic attack or anything. And I was on the edge of one for hours, you know, after everything happened. I was, the cops took me outside you know, to the parking lot. And there was, I think 17 patrol cars. There's like five detectives, uh, two crime scene vans, the corner van and an ambulance mm. all in the parking lot. So that it, then of course news crews came in. So they roped everything off. Of course, the whole apartment complex were up at that time now, since you have blue lights flashing everywhere. Yep. So, uh, okay. Wow. So, uh, tell me a little bit more. So the, um, so your, your community, your apartment community that you're in is gated. Yes. Uh, Do we know where this guy came from? In the back of the apartment complex where my apartment was, there's a just woods. 
And, you know, it's supposed to be a gated community. Well, there's no fence or gates or anything in the woods. Got it. Near. So he came through the woods. Sure. The, the police actually found his footprints back there. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, even the cops told me, you know, I could go after the apartment complex or be the gated community, you know, and not provide a, a safe living environment and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't want to make a big deal out of, you know, the situation or anything. I just want to be all said and done and over. And, you know, I wish it had happened in the first place. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was supposed to be a, a gated, whole gated community, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me a little bit more about the suspect. I know we're going to talk about some more of, like, some more of the story, the aftermath and so forth. But yeah. um, do we know who this guy was? Uh, I forgot his first name. He uh, he was a Hispanic male. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you re- you can Google it online. Yeah. I've got the news story here. Up. Francisco Rodriguez. Yes. Like. I remember Rodriguez. I, just, I can never remember his first name. Yep. And uh, he had plenty of priors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, of, of similar stuff like home yeah. invasion or theft or robbery uh, or whatever. Theft, robbery, drugs, uh, attempt to sell, domestic dis- dis- uh, dispute, and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, my, my dad's a lawyer up in Illinois. Oh. So I, you know, of course I called him right away, but the next day, you know, my dad took it upon himself, you know, as soon as we had the suspect's name, he ran a background check on him for me, you know, just, just to see, you know, more about this guy, why he would do something like this. And, uh, he had about 20 priors mm. and he also an illegal, illegal immigrant in the United States. Mm. So to me, I mean, I'm not trying to hate on our government. Why is this guy still in our country when he has 20 priors? Sure. You know? Sure. So like that right there kind of upset me, you know, cause it put my life in danger. Yeah. Uh, so yet he, he had quite a, an extensive background, uh, criminal history. <clears throat> uh, was he on drugs or anything? Uh, he was. Uh, I found out the, the police later told me on after the autopsy report, he had three different types of drugs in the system. Mm. Uh, one was cocaine. One was marijuana. And one was oxycodone. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. So, I mean, that's, that's why he did not go down in, a, in the first one or two shots. He was very high on drugs so he probably didn't feel anything. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and also busting in the back door, of my apartment, he clearly busted through the lock. Uh, one, there's two deadbolts and one deadbolt actually was on the floor. Mm. So that just goes to show how much force he went through that door. Yeah. With. And he just, he just kicked it, right? Yes. He kicked it. There's a boot prints from his boots on the back door. Mm. Dang. Wow. And then he, he was in fact armed. He, he was, he actually had a stolen 1911 on him. Oh, wow. And that was fully loaded. Mm. 
Mm. The serial numbers, the, the police told me the serial numbers were scratched off. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, all right. So we have an armed intruder armed with a gun. Uh, he kicks his way through the door into your apartment, comes into your bedroom. You tell him to freeze. He reaches, you fire. He, <laughs> he begins running away. You basically kind of chased him out into, was it in the living room area where, where he eventually went down? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, and then you, so you, I'm just summarizing everything here. And then you, you continued to shoot until, uh, you felt like he was no longer a threat. Correct. Got it. Okay. So tell me about, uh, you're standing there next to his body. Police are on their way. 90 seconds later, they're there. Uh, did you go to meet them? Did they come to the house? How, how did the, how did the initial, uh, contact with the police go? Uh, they first, you know, I, I through the, the, uh, living room window, mm-hmm. I saw flashlights and, you know, so I knew the police was there, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, you know, who else is going to be there? Flashlights, you know, after, you know, gunshots, then I just heard some knocking on the door. And I let the police in. I still had the gun in my hands. And I un- immediately, my kitchen table was like right next to the, my front door of my apartment. Mm-hmm. So I set my gun down. I took the magazine out and I cleared the chamber and just set it right there on the table. Got it. So so did, did, did they come in armed? Or yes. Just, okay. Every cop had a gun in, in their hands. Yeah. And what did they say to you? Uh, are, are you okay? Uh, they they went to me. They didn't even go to the intruder yet. You know, they obviously they they saw him laying there and knew he was dead right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm fine." I'm, you know, I, I was shaking. You know, I was my adrenaline was pumping. I was just shaking. You know, and they said, "It's okay." You know, just calm down. So they took me outside to the parking lot so they can investigate to see what's going on, you know, talk to me separately. So they took me out there, you know, so then all the detectives came rolling in in their cars, (laughs) excuse me. And, uh, so the lead detective started talking to me and I told him, you know, what, what happened kind of like, you know, real quick and what's going on. So they, Everybody went in my apartment, all the detectives, they picked up the shell casings, did uh, whatever they needed to do to the body. And right then is when they rolled the body over and saw the the gun that the intruder had. Mm-hmm. Now, was it, had he managed to get it out? He, at all? Well, yes, he had the gun in his hand when I started shooting. Oh, I, really? When, yeah, so when I shot him, when I took that first shot, I did not see the gun, but he raised it up like he grabbed something. And, you know, so like I initially thought it was a gun, you know, like that's what I thought. But, you know, with all that adrenaline pumping, you don't you don't see like those type of details. Mm-hmm. You know, I just saw him grab something. but. So, but the cops told me 
it was in 1911 and ended up being stolen. Hmm. Wow. Now, in the uh, one of the news stories I've been referencing, this uh, said something about the suspect having a white, I think it was a white sock, a sock on his hand anyway. Yes, uh, that I did not see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm not totally sure. That's the only thing. Like, I'm not sure about that. But like I said, my adrenaline was pumping, you know, so much that I did not just. Yeah. I didn't see. Yeah. Now I guess we presume he was wearing the sock to keep fingerprints from showing up on the scene. He, that, that's that would be my guess. Yes. Sure. sure. Interesting. Okay, so police come in and they uh, they make sure you're okay. They escort yeah. you out. They begin doing their investigation. You're obviously finding out a lot of these details uh, uh, well after the fact. Tell me, when did you um, – was there a moment when – like I, you've said several times that the adrenaline was just like really going, you know, and you, you didn't sleep at all at night. Was there a moment when the gravity of what had just happened just sort of like hit you and you, you yeah. had a realization of it all? Yeah. Uh, sh- like shortly after they took me out to the parking lot, you know, to talk to the, the police, like it, when I saw all the cops, all the blue lights, it, that's when it really hit me. Like this just happened. Hmm. Like before, like it happened, you know, like it was like the beginning of like the re- realization. And once I saw the blue lights, like I realized it was, this is not a dream or anything like this. This, this just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't, I could hardly breathe. Like I was hyperventilating, you know, I was just all that adrenaline was pumping. I was scared, you know, I haven't talked to it my family or anybody, nobody knows about this yet. Right. You know, and I don't have any family in Tennessee. So, you know, my family is in Illinois. That's nine hours away from, from Nashville. So like immediately, as soon as like, I could kind of like catch my breath a little bit. I asked the cop if I could call my dad or I, I said, can I call my lawyer? Mm. And why don't we wait, wait till the morning? You know, you don't, you know, I said, well, my lawyer's my dad. And he goes, well, in that case, yes, go ahead. So I called my dad and he didn't pick up his phone. Yeah. You know, the one, one time I really need my, you know, my dad. So I knew my sister was home and she doesn't go to sleep till like 5 a.m. Her sleep schedule is all messed up. And so I called her and I could barely talk on the phone. Like I was just, you know, I was, I don't know. I was like, my adrenaline was just going like I could hardly breathe, you know, kind of like a panic attack going on. So I just told my sister, like, I need to talk to dad. I need to talk to dad. Well, what's going on? I said, I, just shut up and go get dad. Mm. And so she, I, I could hear her running. So like she knows something is serious. So I, I told my dad, you know, what just happened. The guy broke in my apartment. And at that point, my sister was 
screaming for my mom. And as soon as I told my dad what happened, my mom and my sister packed some bags and got in the car right away and started driving down here. Gotcha. You know, that's, you know, a time like this is the only time, like, I just don't say the only time, but a time like this is when you need family or somebody close to you, you know, you need somebody there with you. Mm-hmm. This is not something that you want to go through by yourself. Yeah. You know, when, when were you next able to get into back into your apartment? Uh, it took hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I mean, they got there about, you know, right when everything happened around 1130, I think it was like 1133 to be exact. And, uh, I think the next time I got to go in my apartment was about two o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. That's actually not too bad. I would say. And by that point yeah. they had, uh, they'd taken the body. They- yes. Yeah, so they took the body already at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when we went back into the apartment, the, there's, man, I can even count how many detectives and cops were inside the apartment at that time. Uh, you know, my look, the kitchen in my apartment is nothing big. It's just like one of those little galley kitchens, you know, very, very small. And there, um, that was just all full. And when I went back in, I, I asked one of the, the cops, the, one of the detectives to go in my fridge and just grab me a bottle of water. I was, you know, extremely thirsty. And, uh, what was really funny is, uh, you know, when you get grab my bottle of water for me, I did have moonshine in there. I had some, you know, hmm. apple pie. Moonshine. And he's like, Oh, what was that? Some sweet tea. Hmm. And I was like, yeah. And everybody just laughed. They knew what it was, <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, that just kind of enlightens the story a little bit. But, uh, so we did like, the walk through exactly what happened at that point. Okay. No, they, they told me, you know, how did this begin? So, I, you know, I told them I, I had to do everything exactly how I did. So I had to get back in bed. I said, I rolled over to look outside the window, jumped out of bed. I grabbed 911, you know, grabbed the gun and I, I you know, just explained everything exactly what happened and just had to use my hand as my gun mm-hmm. and, and just had to do the walkthrough with them. So after I did all that, you know, uh, they took pictures of me, took pictures of my hands, you know, took pictures of the gun, you know, then they took everything. Then, mm-hmm. uh, then after that, you know, they told me, okay, why don't you, you know, put something else on if you want, you know, put some clothes on and, uh, we're going to, we need to take you to the station to do a interview. So I'm like, okay, you know, so we did that. Did, did they make it clear at any time that you were not being investigated for a crime or yes. suspected of committing a crime? Uh, that is correct uh no they they told me pretty much right away you know the the evidence was very clear mm-hmm. that he he broke in everything was recorded on 911 when everything happened right you know i had the phone on me the whole time so the, they told me you know, you're not going to be facing any charges 
you know, you, there's nothing for you to worry about. You know, you can calm down. Like that's how they got me to calm down a little bit. You know, it's like, don't worry about it. You're not facing any charges. You do the right thing. And I actually had probably five or six cops come up to me mm-hmm. and shake my hand and saying, thank you. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, it, honestly really touched me like you know like they went out of their way to say thank you and one one of the cops said you know the guy had to come in it was going to be today or tomorrow or at some point he had this coming mm-hmm. and he said don't ever think that you killed him he he committed suicide mm-hmm. he put himself in that position yeah. So like that, that really helped me out, you know, cope with everything. I just, I keep thinking about what that one cop said to me mm-hmm. and, and he's right. You know, the intruder put himself in that position. Yeah. So like, I never think that I'm the one that went and killed somebody. No, you know, he put himself there and, you know, he, I look at him, he took his own life. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a great way of of looking at it. Has that been helpful for you then to kind of come to grips with everything? Yeah, uh, it it definitely does. Uh, It it definitely does. You know, not a day goes by I don't think about this situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I want to think about it? No, but it's in your head is mentally that it's there. Yeah. Do, do you, when you say you think about it, do, do you kind of relive it in your mind or are you, are you just sort of like remembering that it happened? Uh, both. I mean, there, there's some times where, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how the brain works. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a scientist or a doctor or anything like that, but uh, there's times where it's just like, just all of a sudden, Oh crap, you know, like like I kind of freeze and everything just goes through my head and exactly like what happened that night. But then there's days where it's like, you know, I don't think exactly exactly what happened, but like it comes into my head of, you know, man, that shit happened that night. Mm. You know. So it's it's definitely yeah. it, it's hard to live with. You know, I, uh, and, you know, I now suffer from PTSD. I thought before, you know, PTSD is only for people in the army and stuff like that. But no, like I'm, I suffer every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I now take anxiety medicine. You know, if I didn't have anxiety medicine, there's nights where I would not be sleeping at all. I see. But, is that, uh, is that a, is that a more difficult time of the day for you? Is that night? Yes, very, mm-hmm. very. And uh, it's it's extremely hard at night. Like falling asleep is is tough. Mm. You know, I uh, you know I now have acquired more firearms. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I built a house out in the country, and I have security cameras and full security system and everything. And I have guns pretty much all over my house now and hidden places. So it doesn't matter where I'm at, what room I'm sleeping in or whatever. 
I can get to one when I need one. Yeah. And that's because of this happened. Mm. You know, before, before, you know, I wasn't paranoid or anything like that. But now that I actually lived through this, you know, it does keep me on my feet a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I I want to be prepared at all times. Yeah. Tell me uh, some more details about the, so the gun that was used was, was the Glock 19, right? Correct. Stock gun at that time. Uh, the only thing that I had on there at the time were uh, Trigicon HD night sights. Cool. Cool. You didn't have a light or anything. No. Right. And, uh, uh, tell us, tell us about what loads you were carrying in the gun. I had, uh, the black ops hollow points. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are like, uh, those are a jacketed, uh, frangible round. Is that right? That is correct. I think they call that the OTF, like, uh, open tip frangible, I think is what that stands for. Is that right? Yes, that is. Yeah. So that's an interesting round and, and, and other rounds that are similar to that, uh, in the gun community can be rather, uh, controversial. So would you say that they got the job done? They definitely did. Hmm. They definitely did. And, you know, I never knew about the ammo before, you know, my, my good friend at Royal range, you know, I went there to, to buy some ammo a couple weeks before the situation happened. And he's like, you know, try this. This is new ammo that we just got in, you know, we've done some practicing with it. It works really good. I'm like, okay. You know, so I got a box of that with cold boxes of different, different types of ammo, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, and so I had that and it worked. I mean, that ammo is perfect. I don't have that ammo anymore mm-hmm. just because I, I don't know why, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. just haven't bought any. But uh, no, it worked perfectly. And uh, any over penetration? Do what? Over penetration? Anything like that? Or under penetration? No. Did you did you get any information at all from forensics about like how it performed? Uh, yeah, that they said it performed extremely well. Uh, for, forensics and the detectives were very kind and uh, and filled me in with some details. Mm-hmm. You know, which most of the time they don't, mm-hmm. but uh, I definitely cooperated with the cops. I told them everything I needed to do. And the next day, like when I had a, I had moved out of that apartment that that next day. So of course, all my friends, you know, they caught a glimpse of it on the news, saw my name. Everybody called me. I had probably about twenty of my friends just come over and just help me start moving. And. uh mm. And when we moved everything, I found another shell casing underneath the couch. So I called the detective right away. You know, he gave me his card and he hasn't even gone to sleep yet either. Mm. And so he, he came right away. He was there within about five minutes of me calling him and I didn't even touch the shell casing. And I, I show him like, Hey, you know, I'm moving stuff. Here's a shell case, and he's like, "Thank you for calling me right away." You know, <clears throat> every every little bit of detail, any shell casings we needed. <laughs> but uh, no, they're really nice. Uh, forensics actually called me as they're 
were doing the autopsy. Mm-hmm. They actually told me that there is no through and throughs of the body. Okay. And they said that whatever ammo that you use, because they didn't know the exact brand of ammo I used at that point, did its job. That's mm-hmm. out in the body and did not go through. Got it. Cool. Uh, tell me in the moment when you were firing your gun, was there anything in particular you were looking at or noticing? For instance, did you did you use your sights at all? Did you notice the sights? No. With in that particular situation, you know, like I said, that adrenaline's just pumping. Mm-hmm. And I. I mean, you could just cut my sights off my gun that night. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know I had sights on it. Yeah. And, you know, I just saw the, saw the guy and I just started shooting. You know, I, I just followed him with my hand the whole time and my body just pointed and I, right. I just and shot. Yeah. You know, and what, that, what would you say the, the greatest distance was between you and him during the encounter? The like the farthest distance between yeah. us. Yeah, uh, I would say probably about the farthest distance was probably about seven yards. Okay. At, at one point. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you you were firing the whole time one handed, right? Because you still had the phone with the other hand. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I had the phone in my left hand and my gun in my right. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, oh, and then some other questions relating to kind of your background uh, as it relates to, you know, the the gun or shooting in general. Uh, What kind of experience did you have with guns? Uh, Did you receive any particular training? Uh, Is it something that you practiced or spent a good deal of time trying to master as far as uh, the uh, the skill? Uh, Just give us a little bit of your background with your training level. Uh. I kind of, I didn't really grow up with guns too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my dad has a couple of guns, but you know, one of his good friends only had daughters and one of my, and he wanted a son, you know, the whole time. So like he kind of took me as his son. So my dad's best friend would take me, would go shoot some skeet, you know, go to the pistol range. And, you know, it's just kind of like, just kind of bond like that, you know, here and there and, you know, shoot some guns. So like, I'm, I didn't have a lot of experience, but when I moved to Tennessee, of course the gun laws are much better than the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. And so I, after moved down here, I bought my first gun, which is my Glock 19. And, you know, just went to the shooting range and I, you know, I had enough practice. I finally got my carrying permit, and just I would just keep going to the shooting range until I kind of just perfected my shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as most people, you know, I kind of thought, you know, not thought, like, I would think about, okay, well, if something happened, would I have enough balls to do something? And you know, of course, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I could do that but you really don't know until you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like I said, at the beginning of the story, I froze. Then I managed to get myself out of that freeze position 
and do something about it. So, yep. you know, a lot of these guys like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I don't believe one word that, you know, most people say like that until they're actually in that situation. Yeah. Would you, would you say, and by the way, I really appreciate that uh, you point a lot of those details out. <clears throat> would you say that freezing was, was that more because of fear or was that more because of like shock, like, like trying to process what was happening? Uh, more shock, I would mm-hmm. say. You know, I mean, nobody would think about, you know, that their house or apartment or wherever you live getting broken into while you're there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it was definitely sh- shock. And I, I would I would say some fear as well. You know, sure. so it, it's it's definitely real, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, that's that's great. Um, I, I definitely don't think you're alone in that initial sort of like, whoa, wait, what's what's going on here? Trying to f- process it and figure it out, and then having that realization that oh, this is happening and it's happening now, and then it's it's important that you shock your you, or you you got yourself out of that you shocked yourself out of the shock right like you you kind of like yeah. oh hey wait a minute we gotta gotta kick into gear here um at that time was that the only gun that you had no i had a uh, a couple guns at okay. that time i have a uh, at that time i had my Brunelli 12 gauge that was mm. in my closet mm. while on the phone you know most people think you know oh you know a shotgun is the best home defense gun but like when, and I guess when they came my house now, you could use it. But like in, I'm in a tiny one bedroom apartment. You don't have a lot of room to turn or mm-hmm. use it with two hands. But I didn't think about that. I had my gun, my pistol on my nightstand. Mm-hmm. I also had uh, my uh, AR-15 pistol that I built myself, and. I didn't, of course, didn't get that. That was in my closet as well. So, uh, so I just had those three guns at that time. Mm -hmm. Got it. So your Glock was taken away. Uh, They had it for like eight months. Yeah, they had it for eight months. Uh, That next day, actually, I uh, I called my my good friend at Royal Range, and I told him I need another Glock. And he goes, I I know. I saw what happened on the news. Come on down here. I'll get you a gun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I went there with my mom as my sister is packing up my stuff for my apartment. Cause mm-hmm. I don't want to go without a gun, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, I, that day I bought a Glock 17. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was my carry gun for eight months, the full size Glock, you know, until I got my, my Glock 19 back. Gotcha. Cool. And then time, time to get into some of the lessons learned. So looking back over everything, is there anything that jumps out at you as far as like, Oh, I wish I had done something, you know, this differently, or maybe, maybe if I had done that, are there any big things about you personally that you wish you could go back and change? Um, 
honestly, like I haven't really thought about that until you just now asked that question. Mm. No. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I won't change anything. I like looking back on the situation, I think I handled myself, you know, pretty good, you know, Mm -hmm. during that situation. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. Mm -hmm. Do do you, has this experience uh, made you want to get any more training, uh, you know, do more with, you know, as far as that, that is concerned? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since then uh, at roller range, they have a, I forgot what they, they call it. It's like a, like a setup house, you know, where you have to clear all the rooms and stuff like that. Mm. So I've, I've done that a few times, mm. you know, since then. just, uh, just to better myself mm-hmm. you know, and get more training. And I would, I, I want to tell everybody to get more training, mm-hmm. you know, it's, Definitely, you know, just getting your carrying permit is not enough. You know, yes, you need to learn how to use your firearm when you need to. You do need to learn how to clear a room and stuff like that. So, uh, mm-hmm. and that setup at Roll Range definitely has helped me out since then and actually helped me calm me down some as well. Mm-hmm. You know, since I know I, I now have that training. And I know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anything in particular, uh, sp- like specifics, uh, whether it's a uh, technique or fundamentals or tactics, anything in particular that you feel is important or relevant or that uh, you, know, you would recommend someone spend a little more time on? Uh, really always know where your firearm is at even when you're sleeping mm. you know some people you know especially with families and stuff like that lock all their guns up you know when when they're not in use well you're not going to have time to go get your firearm you need to get a firearm like that with a split second you need to have one there you know so definitely Always have one close by. I do understand to keep away from kids and all that good stuff. Sure. You know, so maybe put it somewhere where you can get it easily and fast, mm-hmm. you know, close to you. Yeah. But a, a good tactic is like if I had a light on my gun, you know, I I think that would have helped me out a lot that night. You know, I now do have a light on one of my guns I keep next to my nightstand now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, another, you know, to help people out is just try not to freeze up. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I did at the beginning and I'm very happy that I, I got myself out of that. How I don't know, you know, I wish I knew how that happened. Like how I got myself out of that freeze position. But, I managed to do it and that, that's what saved my life mm-hmm. that that night it was either going to be him or myself mm. and I'm lucky to still be here today talking to you yeah for sure uh, and we're happy that you're here to talk with us as well uh, as opposed to the alternative which may have been 
I would never have seen it, but maybe people in the Nashville area read a news story where police are investigating the scene of a crime where an apparent home invasion resulted in, you know, the occupant of that apartment being killed. Right. Yeah, that's true. You know, I'm glad it went the other way. And I, you know, being a Glock guy, I, I want to thank, thank Glock (laughs) for making a, a good firearm that was there when I need to. And, you know, it didn't jam up or anything like that. It, it did what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, now I, I have to apologize to our viewers on Facebook. For some reason I am, I have not been seeing the comments until I refreshed. I didn't, I was like, I was just had the thought, Nick, Nick, I was like, where, where are all the comments? And, uh, so I, I finally refreshed it and I apologize to everyone watching. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. I'm just look. I'm, I'm I'm scanning through them really fast here. Uh, just a lot of people saying good morning, hello everyone, uh, good stuff. A lot of thumbs up, by the way. Uh, so, um, someone here asked how long ago did the incident occur? But I think we already uh, talked talked about that March of 2016. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. Gary here says, I guess people don't realize that more people are killed with cars than guns. We need to ban cars. Duh. I'm not sure exactly what, at what point in the conversation that he mentioned that it it must've been relevant to something. So anyway, um, yeah, looking back, a lot of lessons learned. I'm sure I appreciate you say that. Yes, absolutely. People need to get more training. Um, have your guns ready. I call that staging, right? Having your guns staged is is important, and that's different than like staging is not necessarily the same thing as storing. Um, it can be. I mean, like I, some of my guns are stored where they're they're staged, right? So in other words, by staged, they're they're prepped, they're ready to go. Yeah. Right. I've got, you know, the guns ready. It's loaded. There's, there's even a round chambered in most cases with my handguns in particular, uh, a light is often mounted to the gun. I also keep a flashlight, you know, just, a. this is not the one that I keep with my gun, but this is just a, a little cheapy that I keep here at the desk. You know, I have mm-hmm. a light near it. Um, a lot of times I have a spare magazine and I actually keep that cause I, I got, dude, I got five kids and some of them are really little. And, yeah. uh, I keep them in a quick access safe. So, That's good. you know, it, it's right next to the bed. So, you know, y- y- I appreciate like a guy like you, it's nice because you live alone and you're totally cool with having a gun just on the nightstand or in the drawer or something ready to go. Uh, I, I can't, I can't do that. So, yeah. so, but, but we have some great technology nowadays where we've got quick access safes ready to go, uh, I, in an instant. Like literally, and I've had to do it before in like two seconds, I can open that safe, uh, and get to my gun. Um, and yes. I, I've done that, uh, when I thought somebody was breaking into my house and they weren't, but I thought they were in seconds, that gun was in my hand. And I was glad that the quick access safe, uh, worked for me in, in the time that I needed it to, um, training. Yeah. Go get some training, quality training. We're touring around the country, uh, Schedule is still, we're still finalizing some of the exact dates and locations, but we'll be taking around uh, the country later this year, our Triple Guardian uh, set of courses. It's uh, three days, three different 
distinct pistol courses, defensive handgun, guardian essentials, guardian standards, and guardian breakthrough is what the title of those courses are. And we're actually getting ready to teach those three courses here in the Denver area where I'm based uh, next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm making a shameless plug, but guys, uh, look, look for quality training, go get it because I know that there's, it'll make a difference for you. Uh, I think, I think you, you feel that way about yourself, right? That is correct. Yes. More training, the better, you know, the quick access saves are perfect. You know, just, you can never have enough training. You really can. Yeah. Hey, we had a a comment just come in just now from Jonathan. He says, gotta love the Glocks. Uh, I'm glad you're able to save yourself in that situation. Being robbed at gunpoint myself, I understand what you mean about freezing up. I haven't been in a situation since, but I will say it takes mental preparation. And that's a great point, Jonathan. And I actually wanted to kind of ask you, Nicholas, about that. Uh, What would you say about mental preparation or or mindset? Any words of advice that you'd have for those uh, viewing this? Uh, Really just, you know, always think that you can handle yourself in that type of situation. Know how to clear a room. Don't be afraid to squeeze the trigger when you have to. But always learn trigger discipline. I mean, if you have to pull your gun, pull your gun. But always remember, you're responsible for anything that bullet hits. Yeah. So you you do have to remember that. And... You know, it's, it's very important, but, you know, just train yourself, you know, if you, whatever, wherever you live, do practice runs on clearing your house or your apartment, you know, mm-hmm. make sure you can get to your gun when you need to. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really just train, train and train. Think of any kind of situation that you can be in and try to train for it. You know, of course have an empty gun when you're, you know, kind of train yourself and, you know, just always have that mental focus on what you're doing. You know, you, you, cause you never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good thoughts, man. Well, once again, uh, we appreciate you and your time uh, this morning. Uh, hopefully, it's a lovely Saturday morning for you. It is for me here. It's a beautiful day, and I'm going to go try to enjoy it, uh, probably do some things around the house. But uh, I'll be doing those things around the house while I'm packing my gun, as I do every day, all day. Uh, you touched on it a little bit ago. Know where your gun is at all times. I take that probably a little step further. I mean, that's that's definitely a key, but when, 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 when awake... <laughs> Have the gun with you at all times. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, man, glad that you got through that that situation okay. Uh, sorry you had to go through it, and I'm sorry for, you know, the, the price that you've continued to have to pay as you live your life knowing that you had to do something that, you know, caused the death of another man. Uh, that I don't wish that on anybody, but at the same time, I look at it as good prevailed over bad or over evil in this case. And it's sad it has to come to that, but I'm glad you're still with us and to share the story. And hopefully from hearing what we've been talking about here today, it is 
inspirational to someone else out there, or at least maybe lessons have been learned that maybe helps somebody somewhere, sometime, we never know, be just a little bit more ready or prepared so that if in the moment when it counts, they're able to to do what they got to do and and do so successfully. Yes, exactly. And thanks for having me. And I just want to make sure everybody is aware of this. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, it can happen. Yeah. Good stuff. Nicholas, thank you so much, sir. Uh, we'll let, uh, let you go. And, and thank you all that have uh, been a part of this uh, Facebook live this morning. Once again, I apologize, uh, for missing a lot of the comments and, uh, uh, like I even see now Gary is, and maybe Gary checked in a little bit late, but he asked what type of ammo was used. Uh, and, and you did answer that question earlier on, but that was the, uh, uh, oh shoot, I'm having a brain fart. Black Ops. Black Ops, that's right. The HP, It's HPR that makes that, right? That, that is correct. Yeah, HPR Black Ops uh, OTF uh, round. And so there you go, Gary, there's your answer. So you don't have to go back and, and re-listen, or maybe you should, if you missed the beginning, go back and listen. It's all good, right? So anyway, uh, Nicholas, once again, thank you. We'll let you all go. Uh, just a reminder, folks, to check out our Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. Uh, head on over to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and just search Concealed Carry Gun Tools, and that should be the first result that comes up. Our free app uh, has a lot of great resources available for concealed carriers and everybody out there. Uh, the goal to just get quality information into more people's hands cheaply, in this case free, uh, and, and have that information be true and valid and correct, such as our reciprocity information in there is always up to date. Uh, we do our absolute best to keep the law, the legal information in there always up to date. There's also a gun-related business in, uh, uh, directory on that app as well. So if you want to search for a gun store, gun range, gunsmith, even gun-free zones, that's actually probably my favorite use for the app, is I can filter by gun-free zones. And in my area or wherever I'm going, I can see and I can try to, I can do my best, my best to avoid gun-free zones. In fact, I used that app recently when I was in Dallas, Texas at the uh, NRA show, and that was actually really helpful. I'm, I'm, I was in a completely new place. Uh, hadn't spent a lot of time in Dallas. I've been through Dallas, but just I, I was there for three or four days and hadn't really spent that much time there before, so I used our app to locate gun-free zones so I didn't uh, uh, you know, break the law. They have their 30-06 uh, signs that you know got to be posted and all that stuff. Anyway, Hey guys, so I'm gonna let you go. Uh, hope to see a, f a few of you. I know we got a few of you signed up for our course next week. We'll look forward to that. Uh, we'll see you back here on the podcast on Tuesday with our usual news uh, episode of the week. And next week we will not be doing a live episode on Thursday, but we will be publishing a pre-recorded interview uh, from, I believe, from the NRA show actually. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, but we'll actually be on the range teaching that day, so hence why we why we can't do uh, uh, a live podcast that day. Uh, maybe we'll do a live video though while we're at the range. So maybe hopefully the cell service is sufficient to to permit that. So with that, we're gonna let you all go. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone.
ensure that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.